Episode 7, this week on the Paul George Show, Bishop Sam Jacobs. And he says, the Holy Father has appointed you Bishop of Alexandria, will you accept? I said, in a scale of 1 to 10, that's a 10. I don't want to be Bishop. He says, that's fine. But sometimes God makes 10s once. The Paul George Show! Welcome to the Paul George Show, talking airplanes, bishops, and Paul's cowboy boots. A co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media, here's your host, Paul George. Welcome to the Paul George Show. This is Paul George in the studio with uh, Mr. Casey Trahan. How are you doing, Casey? Good afternoon, Paul. What's up? Great to be with you, man. It's been a long, crazy week. Last week, uh, last weekend, this past weekend, I was in Houston, Texas, speaking at a young adult conference, and... Uh, it was one of the first conferences I've ever been to where there were just as many kids registered for the conferences as there were adults. So what's the point in that? Isn't there like a, shouldn't there be like a one to seven ratio or something like that? It was a bunch of Catholic young adult families and apparently they love each other a lot. And so they had a bunch of kids. So they brought their kids and they were in childcare. Oh, you see what I'm saying? Because so, it wasn't a kid's conference. It, no, was, a, it was a young adult's conference. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. that makes sense. That's funny. Yeah, so there are kids all over the place. It was awesome, actually. It was a great experience. So what you had was a bunch of young adults who were married with, with smaller kids, you know, running around, sort of like you. Yeah. Um, we're a growing populace. Growing populace, yeah. And then there was a bunch of young adults who aren't married, like working professionals, um, not married and basically single, ready to mingle, you know? So you had these two. Where do you meet your, where do you meet your spouse at a young adult Catholic conference? Where else? Right. I mean, what better place? I mean, you want to meet a spouse like out in a bar? No, like this is the best place. So they came ready to go. And so you had this dynamic at this conference. It was really cool. It's a bunch of cool single young adults who were, who were really trying to live their faith and grow in their faith. And then a bunch of young families who came for the weekend to grow and, you know, grow together as a couple and in their faith. So it was really cool. Uh, happening in Houston. Happening in Houston, man. So uh, that was the Encounter Young Adult Conference um, this past weekend. Then I was down in Homa Thibodeau speaking at Nickel State University. They got some accents down there, Shaq. What? Go Colonels. Go Colonels, which I, I still don't understand uh, how, you, how you spell Colonels with no R. Colonel. Colonels. Colonels. The Colonels. So anyway, I was down there, but it's been a, a crazy week. It's great to be with you today. Um, thanks for listening in to the Paul George Show. we got a great show today. Um, first bishop ever to be on the show today, Casey. Hallmark moment. Hallmark moment. This is uh, an epic event. It'd probably be the last bishop, too, is what I'm guessing. He's going to tell all of his bishop friends after <laughs> yeah. this one. Yeah, it's going to be the first, <laughs> the first and the last bishop um, to be on the show. So speaking of travel, I was reading, she has an art, I do travel a lot. And, uh, and, uh, I was reading recently a crew member on a flight. So this is like people who like load the plane. They're like underneath, you know, in the, in sort of the okay. belly of the plane, they put the luggage on or equipment or whatever is down there. And I, I'd love to know. Um, so the flight begins to taxi, but he stuck underneath. He's, he's in like, you know, the cargo, area oh, of the plane basically where everybody in movies goes to hide like if you're going to sneak on a plane <laughs> yeah. you just go hide <laughs> well he's in there he got stuck and they forgot about him close the doors and uh the plane takes off please tell me this guy's okay okay so here's the question i have for you 
if that's you, all right, you get stuck underneath in the plane. Do you not say anything and just roll with it and wherever the destination is, you land and you enjoy the flight? Or do you freak out, bang, get the get the pilot to turn around and land? How long's the flight? Uh, it was a couple hours. Like do they you were, know? Like they were going somewhere, but so I think I just ride it out. I just chill. I don't want to let anybody know that I actually did that. <laughs> that you got stuck under there. In fact, I, I would I would literally land, sneak away, go buy a plane ticket back home, and like never tell anybody. Just don't tell a soul. <laughs> You're like, where, where'd Casey go? Where's he been? I don't know, man. I think he's taking a couple sick days. Yeah, I would probably be under there, like digging through people's luggage. I'd put on a whole nother outfit. Somebody wouldn't recognize me when I got off the plane. Nobody would. Rec- they didn't see you in the outfit when you got on. Well, that's true. But you had your equipment yeah, outfit. You see what I'm saying? Like you're, if you're a mechanic or whatever you are. Crazy. So wait, what happened to the guy? So they ended up having to land the plane, I guess, because it's probably he was in a section of the plane underneath that was probably hot. Ah. You know, and they don't have a lot of oxygen going under there. So the way that you stay alive on a plane when it's above <laughs> 20,000 feet is they pump oxygen, which freaks me out, honestly, when I'm on a plane. is like, what if this oxygen stops being pumped on this plane? Fun fact for your for your knowledge of your producer. Okay. I've, I've flown four times, but at one trip. So okay. I've, I've only been on a plane for one trip in my entire life. Okay, just four segments. Yeah. Okay. Where'd you go? Washington, D.C. Nice. Nice. Did you enjoy it? I did. I, I was a junior in high school, and it was for uh, Barack Obama's inauguration. So you all went as a school class trip yeah. um, experience. Did you... Uh, you seem like the type of guy that would enjoy travel. I do, but I drive a lot of places. I've driven in this year Because you have a hundred kids. <laughs> <laughs> you hop in a minivan and you drive. You can't afford to no, true. This, put on kids. So unless you're traveling for business, which is really what I do. It's not like I'm traveling with my family on a plane yeah. all the time. Um, so yeah, but you seem like the adventurous type of guy that would like to get on a plane, which is why I asked you. And you answered exactly what I thought. If you're stuck underneath the plane in the cargo, you would stay on. You would stay on. If See, I wouldn't, if I wouldn't die, I would want to stay on. But if I'm sure, if you're a crew member, like you know these things, you know that the plane's going to get hot. You're not going to have oxygen. There's fear for your life. Right. Then yeah. You bang on something. Right. Yeah. You try to get out. But you're right. Like in every like adventurous movie where there's an airplane, there's a guy who like gets in the yeah. cargo area. You know, some kid in a, in her pet's gonna. Lock up in a box somewhere. Crazy. Yeah. So I saw recently, uh, which I don't know if you remember the story, Casey, uh, Father Father Jacques Hamel from France, mm-hmm. uh, who was murdered by terrorists while he was saying mass. What city? Was that Paris? Uh, no, it wasn't Paris. Small town outside uh, Nice. Okay. France. Um, it was a horrible story. I, I mean, it hit all over the airwaves and the internet. And, of course, I, I remember just being devastated by the story but so he's saying mass uh and terrorists will you know come in and uh, kill him murder him um i mean what a way, great way to go out one you're saying mass as a priest uh, but um so anyway pope francis has opened up the investigation for his his sainthood how cool is that yeah now so i've seen a few headlines on this apparently it's a, it's a, a wee bit early to be doing that but pope francis just said nope I'm, I'm the Pope. I am the Pope, and this is what's going to happen. Well, I th- here's what I think, and and I don't know the whole process of things. Um, so the formalities of of all, I, you know, I know you need a certain amount of miracles, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in your name before you're saint, and, and c- certainly it's a long process. 
um, you know, to document all that. And I know they have investigators, you know, the church has, has ways of doing that and they're, and they're pretty good at it. Um, but I think what sets, what, what sets this situation a little bit above maybe, uh, others is that he was, he was a martyr. Mm-hmm. So I, when, when you're a martyr for the faith specifically, I, I think that kind of like almost trumps, uh, it's like, it's like a trump card. Yeah. It bypasses a few things. I know I've, I've seen, um, also that you only need one miracle, but also, I mean, these are things that one official, yeah, documented these, these miracle. Are, I, and again, I'm not an expert on this either, but I don't think these are dogmatic requirements. It's just um, prudential things that the church goes through from a different culture. Nowadays, right. with the media, I mean, we know everything that happened in that situation. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Pope made a pope call. He made a pope call. He's like, let's let's open up the investigation on it, which you know, I think is great. I, I want to follow it because I think it is, we're in a, we're in our media age where we can keep track of things a lot faster. And I want to learn this whole process, but, uh, what a sad story, but, but what a witness to the church and to the world, uh, this priest was, and I don't know him personally. I don't know how he lived his life, but he was certainly doing the right thing in the right time. Mm-hmm. And as a witness to the world, and I'm grateful for him, for our faith. I don't know if you saw this other story in the news. I, I thought it was fascinating. Uh, but a 101-year-old woman received her first communion. I did. Did you that, see that? As a uh, Nigeria or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, her <laughs> first kiss. So she literally goes up uh, to you know the, the sanctuary to receive Jesus for the first time with a walker. She's got a walker <laughs> and a veil. And her first communion is 101 years old. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, here's what touched me about the story. Obviously, a great for her. And I... Uh, you know, I, I could probably say that she doesn't have a whole lot of years left. I mean, just statistically, um, you know, so good for her towards the end of her life. But uh, even more so, I, I just think it's cool image of it's never too late. You're never too old. You're never too far away to come to Jesus. And I had an interesting message that was sent to me this week from an old um, uh youth group kid that was in my youth group when I was a youth minister years and years ago. So she's now in her thirties and she sends me a message on Facebook. She had fallen away from her faith. Matter of fact, she's, she's practicing non-Christian faith. She tried Buddhism, all these other, and and so she is like severely separated from not only the church, but Christianity. Hmm. She sends me a message on Facebook and says, Paul, I am in the parking lot of an adoration chapel and I don't know what to do, but something has me here. And and I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, something has you here. Like, like it's never too late. You're never too far away. And Jesus is always calling you. Like, he's always pressing in. And there's never a moment in your life where uh, you're too distant, uh, you're too old, uh, you're too sinful, uh, you've gone too far. And I love this story about this woman. I don't know what her life was. Maybe she lived a great life. But the fact that that she got to receive Jesus, the true presence in the Eucharist, at 101 years old is just awesome. So if you're out there, no matter how far you are, no matter how distant or you know someone, keep praying for them, and uh, they'll come back to Jesus. So we got a great show coming up next. we got Bishop Sam Jacobs, the world famous. We'll be right back. Paul George Show.
Welcome back to the Paul George Show, a co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. This week on the show, we welcome Bishop Sam Jacobs. Here's your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Show. Great to be with you uh, in studio today. I got Casey Trahan next to me, uh, pushing all the buttons, spinning all the tunes. So just like I said, we have a guest today, the first bishop to ever be on the Paul George Show, Bishop Sam Jacobs. Bishop, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. That's great. Hey, look, listen, I was thinking about this. Uh, we have something in common. We both have two first names. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how lucky are you? Uh, I, I am very blessed. <laughs> anyway, thanks for taking the time today, your busy schedule, to uh, come on the show and um, and be with us today. So uh, so what's going on? You're, you're retired now, right? I am officially retired from administration, but I'm not a retired from ministry. And that's, that's what I enjoy doing. Uh, I was already in a priest 52 years ago, and I look forward to just going back to be a simple priest, and that's what I'm able to do now. That's right. You're traveling all over the world. So, okay, anyway, we're going to play a quick game called uh, True or False or Fill in the Blank. All right? Right. Okay, so here we go. Question number one. You were ordained a priest in what city and state? Let me think about that. Lafayette, Louisiana. Lafayette, Louisiana. That was your diocese, right? At the time. At the time. Okay, and so you were ordained there, and then the diocese split Lafayette and Lake Charles, Louisiana. Is that correct? Right. In 1980. Okay. And you went to Lake Charles? I was in Lake Charles at the time. Gotcha. So I stayed in that diocese. Oh, I see. So you were in Lake Charles at the time. It was just one diocese. And then when it split, you stayed there. But you were ordained right. at the cathedral in Lafayette, Louisiana. Correct. All right. Question number two. Your first assignment as a bishop was in what diocese? Diocese of Alexandria, Louisiana, where I met this guy called Paul George. I am so sorry for both of those things. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so speaking of meeting me when you moved to Alexandria, Louisiana, I was a kid. So here's the next question, true or false. I was the best confirmation kid you ever confirmed. True or false? Uh, I can't tell a lie, boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know what? I, I need to apologize to you, I think, on air for how bad I was as a 14-year-old kid. You were bad. <laughs> but you did uh, confirm me. It was your, your actually your first, I don't know if you know this, but your first confirmation class that you confirmed in 1989, that was me. I was in that class. So And things have been the same since. They, they haven't. <laughs> they have it. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, true or false? Uh, you once had to bail me out of a college prank. True or false? I, just, I had to speak the truth. Yes. <laughs> that is true, right? I got in, in trouble doing a college prank. and uh, Deep, 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 deep trouble. Deep trouble. And uh, you, you made a call for me and said, hey, this is actually a good guy. He didn't really mean to do anything really bad and uh oh hey i did i need to thank you for that so appreciate that you're welcome all right so last question fill in the blank um as a priest bishop uh where is the the most awesome holy site that you've ever traveled to or city Ooh, that's a, that's a, a hard to answer because there's several but i'm going to take what i would call the 
the holy site for me would be Assisi in Italy. Mm. Now, you've been all over. Of course, you've been to Rome, Assisi, you've been to the right. Holy Land uh, as well. So of all of those, why Assisi? I just have fallen in love with St. Francis. Yeah. And uh, mm. I, just, his, I just can experience his, his presence and his spirit uh, uh, when, I went, when I go to Assisi. I had my druthers between uh, Rome, Assisi, and Florence. I go to Assisi. Mm. I guess the next place would be the Holy Sepulcher in, in, in the Holy Land. That's also a very special place for me, just to be in the presence of where Jesus died and was buried. Yeah, so I've actually been to Assisi in Rome, but I've never been to the Holy Land, which is a trip that I would love to make one day. So the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, is that the, that's the church that's built over the place where Jesus was buried or died? Both. Both. Okay. Both. And the so place it, of his, his death is there, and you go uh, down down a few uh, uh, some steps, and you get to the uh, to the sepulcher, uh, chapel of the sepulcher. Wow. Were you able to say mass there? Not in the sepulcher. I said mass in the in in the in the church itself, but not in the place where the burial is too small. Gotcha. It's very it's a very small place. Wow. Well, you are you do travel around. I was actually. Uh, looking at something that you this next year are doing a pilgrimage with Father Dave Pavanka, and you guys are going to the Holy Land and Rome. Is that is that true? Holy Land and Rome. Yes, we're going to do a, a pilgrimage next year. Is the 50th anniversary of uh, the outpouring of the Spirit, uh, of, uh, like a new Pentecost mm-hmm. uh, upon the world, which which took place in Duquesne University uh, in in Pittsburgh in 1987, and. Uh, it, Next year is the 50th anniversary, and the Holy Father is calling all Charismatics, Christians, and uh, Catholics, and, and others to come to to Rome for a celebration of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Wow! So you're you're leading a trip with a bunch of people. Right. Is there space still on that trip? Because I know you want me to go on that trip. Uh, there is space, uh, as far as I know, uh, but limited right now because we're going to hopefully limit it to two buses. Gotcha. And right now we have uh, each bus has 50. And right now we have about 90, 95 people. That's wonderful. I, I would love to go on a trip like that, and um, especially with you know a bishop and another priest, and to be able to have mass at some of these holy sites, uh, you know, the place where Jesus died and was buried. Of course, when you go to the Holy Land, there's other sites. You know, the one at the well. You know, you see, you know, where Jesus, the Last Supper, right? All those sites right. are still there that you can visit. Um, what we're planning to do is at different sites to uh, have people renew uh, their the various sacraments that they receive. So when we go to Jordan, we'll have the renewal of baptismal promises. When we go to Cana, we'll have the renewal of uh, marriage promises. When we go to uh, uh, Peter, where Peter was, was, was uh, where Jesus was in prison, we'll have uh, sacrament reconciliation. Wow. Uh, when we get to the upper room, we'll have the Eucharist and renewal of confirmation. So we just renew various uh, sacraments uh, uh, of our spiritual journey at the sites that are commemorating those those sacraments. Oh, that's that's amazing. Do you do you drink wine at Cana? We drink wine at Cana. There you go. I mean, what better place to drink wine than at Cana, right? And we also uh, change wine into the precious blood of Jesus at Cana. Oh, so even better. Better. Even better, you just trumped me right there. Did you see, Casey and I were talking about this in the first segment, Bishop, um, 
that article on a woman who was 101 years old who received her first communion. No, I didn't. Yeah, so that just came out this week. She was 101, and she received her first communion, which reminded me when you were talking about just, you know, the wine becoming the precious blood, just the miracle of that, and this old woman at 101 uh, right. got to receive it for the first time. And those miracles are taking place all the time. If you're just listening in, this is the Paul George Show. I am talking to Bishop Sam Jacobs, retired bishop down in the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau, Louisiana. So what are you doing now? You're you're a retired bishop, but you're still a bishop, right? So when someone retires right. as a bishop, they stay bishop. Right, like a priest, always a priest, bishop, always a bishop. You don't, you, you don't that, that gift of our nation is not lost by retirement. Gotcha. So, so what I'm doing now is basically uh, ministry. Gotcha. Uh, I'm speaking at different conferences around the country, uh, doing sp- uh, spiritual direction, uh, both on the phone and in person. Uh, I'm uh, doing retreats, uh, missions. Uh, I still on several boards, so I attend board meetings. So you know, and I, I have a, a, a daily uh, blog that I that I send out, so a thought of the day. Uh, on a website, and so I stay busy in order to uh, keep uh, keep the juices flowing. Well, it, it sounds like you're doing what you got ordained to do as a priest, right? And so right. when you're a right. retired bishop, you get to retire from administration, uh, which is a lot of work, um, and now you get to do mostly ministry stuff, travel around speaking, right. lean retreats, doing spiritual direction. It must be almost like a renewal of your priesthood, in a sense. It is, it is. Uh, you know, the administration it drains it would, would drain me. Some people enjoy it. I didn't. Uh, I did it because I, I, it was part of part of the responsibility. But uh, you know, eighty percent of, of, of a bishop's life, my my life as a bishop, eighty percent was doing administration. Twenty percent was doing ministry. Now uh, I'm doing almost a hundred percent ministry. There you go. That is awesome. Good for you. So I was looking at your website. It's www.spirit aflame.com so people can read your blog there dot so, org, no, dot org. Dot org there it is uh they can read your blog there right get information about what you're doing right. and whatnot right yep every day I, I, monday through friday I, I give a spiritual thought to help people during the day to you know just grow in their in their relationship with god that's great that's awesome so it's a www.spiritaflame.org i'm talking to bishop sam jacobs uh on the show bishop thanks for joining us um, so in just a minute, um, I want to ask you, uh, sort of like, you know, question behind the question, like what, what people often wonder is how does one become Bishop? Like how, how does someone get assigned Bishop? So I don't want you to answer that question because we're going to come back, uh, for the next segment and you're going to answer that question. So talking to Bishop Sam Jacobs, um, here on the show, uh, you can find him at www.spiritaflame.org his blog, his newsletter, his spiritual thoughts, and all that he's doing. So this is the Paul George Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back 
The Paul George Show is a co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. We return to hear more from our guest, Bishop Sam Jacobs. This is Paul George. Great to be with you today. Thanks for listening in. I have our special guest, the first bishop ever to be on the Paul George Show, Bishop Sam Jacobs. Bishop, thanks for being here today. Thank you. Yeah, so we were talking, we kind of left the, the last segment, um, and one of the questions I had is, how does a, a bishop become a bishop? Like, like you're, you were just a priest, right, in Lake Charles, right. and, then, and then all of a sudden you're a bishop. How does the process of becoming a bishop happen? Uh, it becomes, it, it takes place unknown to you as a person. Right. Uh, and so uh, the bishop, well, the bishops of the state of, of uh, Louisiana, uh, every two or three years, uh, will submit some names of priests in the state that they would like to recommend as possible candidates uh, to be a bishop. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, my bishop, Bishop Spire, uh submitted my name, unbeknown to me, uh, as a possible candidate. So they don't call uh, you and be like, hey, can I submit your name? This is all, like, nope. confidential all stuff. Yeah, okay. Confidential, secret, nobody knows, uh, because uh, it's, not, it's not a political game, it's not a popularity game, it's not trying to, you know, to uh, 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 win people's favor. It's then it's as uh, confidential as possible. So he submits my name to the bishops of the state. Uh, and I, I know this now because I, I've been through the process right. as a bishop. Okay. Uh, he sits, submits my name at, as a bishop of the, uh, to the bishops of the state. Uh, the bishops of the state, uh, if they know me, uh, uh, can say favorable things or unfavorable things. Uh, and then uh, if they don't know me, they just say, I don't know. Okay. And so a vote is taken, secret ballot uh, is, is taken. And uh, each bishop is, is asked to write uh, uh, yes, no, abstain. Gotcha. Right? Uh, uh, so if there's uh, if it's not uh, uh, if there's any no's, then the, the information the host process stops. Gotcha. If it's yes and abstain, abstain because I don't know the person, so it's not fair for me to say one way or the other. Mm. Uh, then uh, the uh, archbishop sends my name to the apostolic delegate in Washington, D.C., uh, who's the representative of the Holy Father. Okay. And uh, uh, with that uh, would be my resume, and and about the names and addresses of about 50 people who know me who could uh, be uh, uh, sent a questionnaire uh, concerning my uh, my availability uh, uh, as a as a as a bishop. Wow. When uh, those letters are sent out, they're sent out in confidence uh, under the seal of confession. You're not supposed to say you got a letter. You're not supposed to say if you what you wrote. Wow. You're supposed to just answer. And uh, I haven't seen uh, the, the 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 questionnaire, but basically it covers the whole gamut. Gotcha. You know, my personality, my history, my theology, my pastoral ministry, my relationships with other people. Uh, do I have any hang-ups? Do I have any addictions? Da, 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 da. Right. Uh, this is like FBI, any... CIA type stuff, man. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a background check. Uh, and looking for anything that would embarrass the church if I was made a bishop. Right. All right. Uh, so if someone, if somebody would have written in, in there that he has an alcoholic problem, that have been a red flag, no. 
Uh, he can't stand uh, people like Paul Jarrett. That would be a good flag. <laughs> no, that would be it. Uh, so this, if, if any red flags come up, what he does, Sagnesio, is correlates all this, and then he sends that to Rome to the Congregation of Bishops. Okay. And the Congregation of Bishops does its own investigation. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, and as it, it gets to a point where it says, we're ready to submit, uh, in this case, the Diocese of Alexandria uh, was vacant, mm-hmm. and so they were going to submit to the Holy Father three names that they, they were going to say uh, would be a possible candidate for Bishop of, of Alexandria. Gotcha. Uh, my name was one of the three. I, I, I presume it was the top name. He pulled it out uh, of a hat, maybe. What's that? Maybe he pulled it out of a hat. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and so the Holy Father doesn't know me from Adam, but he, he he reads my short resume. Gotcha. He takes their 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 investigation and recommendation, and then he says, "I approve of this." Okay, so all and, this is happening, and you don't you have no idea this is happening. I'm clueless. You're clueless. Totally, totally clueless. In fact, the bishop slipped three times, and I didn't catch it. All right. Uh, he one time. Um, uh, we were talking, and I were talking, and he says, well, you know, uh, they're probably going to appoint uh, an auxiliary to New Orleans. I said, oh, yeah, that's that's a good idea. And he looked me in the eye, and he said, I hope they don't take anyone from our diocese. I said, oh, bitch, don't worry about it. They're not going to take anyone from our diocese. Well, he's lit. That's one. Right. Number two, I celebrated my 25th anniversary that year, and I asked him to say a few words, and uh he says, we don't know what God has in store for this, this young man uh, in the future, but I, I, I think there's some great things about to happen. Huh. Well, phew, and you, you didn't head. pick up on that at the and time. And then uh, uh, a week before I was going on vacation, uh, I had been talking to him about setting up, I was vocation director, gotcha. and I was talking to him about setting up the possibility of a house of formation for, for, for discernment, and so he had been opposed to that until the week before I I went on vacation. He said, look, we just got this house. Here's a key. And when you get back from vacation, open it up and search your house of formation. I said, oh, great, Bishop. Thank you. And then he says, well, who's going to take your place when you leave? I said, what? He said, no, 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 no. It's okay. Well, he slipped the third time. Uh-huh. All right. So I, 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 I go on vacation uh, with some friends to Colorado. And um, the, uh, the Holy See has, con- has contacted the Apostolic Nuncio to say, to call me and to, to tell me that I have been uh, appointed, will I accept? Whoa. Well, I'm on vacation. They can't get me. Gotcha. And I told my secretary, don't give my n- number to anybody unless <laughs> it's the death of my brother. Uh, well, they call, and uh, she said, he's on vacation. She didn't lie. She just stonewalled him. Right, so right. they called the bishop and, and said, we can't get in touch with him. Will you get in touch with him? Well, he calls, and he and, uh he says, are you standing or are you sitting? And I said, I'm standing. He says, sit. Well, now I know it's, it's something serious. My brother must have died or something happened. Or oh, something. my gosh. And he says, the Holy Father has appointed you Bishop of Alexandria. Will you accept? Oh, I said, Lord. Bishop, I said, it's good to, uh, in, a, in a scale to one to ten. I said, ten. I don't want to be Bishop. He <laughs> says, that's fine. But sometimes God makes tens ones. <laughs> and I said, well, how do I know this is God? He says, trust me, it's God. I said, i got to pray about it. He said, you don't have time. You're waiting for an answer. I said, no, I've got to have time to pray. And so I said, give me two hours. And so I took the two hours and prayed. And when I heard God say my heart was 
you know, whenever you've been, have been obedient to me, you've seen my will. Huh. And so I called back and said, yes, I will accept. Wow. So if you're listening in the Paul George Show, I'm talking to Bishop Sam Jacobs, retired bishop down in Homa Thibodeau, Louisiana, talking about how you become a bishop, actually. This is a fascinating story, Bishop Jacobs. So you're standing, you sit down, he and he just says, you know, you're you got a call to, to be assigned bishop. And then is it up to you to, ex- can you actually reject that offer? Yes. Okay. Yes. You can reject the offer. Okay. You, you, you're not forced to, to accept. The, the, the difference is once you're a bishop, you cannot ex- reject the offer. Right. So, so the first, the okay. first time I was called, it was, will you accept? When I was asked to, to move from Alexandria to Homa, uh, says you will accept. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so when you got when you got moved as a bishop from one diocese to the other, total obedience. You just yes. have to move. You you don't get a choice there. No choice. Okay, got you. So when you're, or you accept the episcopate, are you ordained a bishop? Because you're already a priest. You're already ordained a priest. Yes, it's a separate ordination as a bishop. Okay. All right. It's and, just it's, a, it's an ordination for deacon, ordination for priest, ordination for uh, for bishop. So there are three levels of ordination uh, for orders. Gotcha, gotcha. So you move to Alexandria in the middle of nowhere, and you become a bishop. And what was that? Nineteen eighty nine, eighty eight. Eighty nine, yeah, eighty nine. Wow. So is if is there? I was there fourteen years. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, so if you reject the episcopate, is that confidential? Yes. Okay, so then, uh, so you move from from Alexandria, Louisiana, down to Homa, and that's where you finished your term as a bishop. Till right. you submitted your letter, I guess, for retirement. Is that what happens? You have to at seventy five. Every bishop has to submit a letter of resignation, whether it's accepted or not, depends on the Holy Father. Ah. Uh, and so uh, I submitted mine, hoping that he would accept it quickly, <laughs> and he did. You were ready to retire. By I was ready to retire. Yeah, uh, but if he said wait, I would have waited, you know. Right. Uh, but I, but, he, but I was hoping he would accept. Uh, uh, he did. Uh, I sent it in in February, uh, uh, and I got the letter in um, what? Ju- uh, in July. Gotcha. And so you've been retired for how how many years now? Almost three years. Wow. And so since then, we've been talking to Bishop Sam Jacobs, traveling, doing retreats, spiritual direction sends out a, a newsletter and blog, spiritual uh, uplifting stuff on spiritaflame.org. You can find him there, look him up. And uh, although you retire from administration as a bishop, once a bishop, once a priest, always a bishop, always a priest. And so you continue your priestly ministry even today. You say Mass at your house, right, and do spiritual right. direction and, and whatnot. Right. Uh, and that's the joy. That's the joy of a of, of priest is to minister to people, bringing people to a deep relationship with God, uh, to share the gospel with them, to help them to grow spiritually, and to to uh, uh, to, to to see the, the the full life that God has for us. Well, that's amazing, Bishop. I can't thank you enough. Your busy schedule as a retired man to come on my show and uh, and be interviewed. So thanks so much. You're welcome. And, uh, you know, try to be, be good to the people you talk to. <laughs> I'll try to behave myself, and if I need any favors, I'll call you if I do any pranks. All right. <laughs> Take care, Paul. Thanks so much, Bishop. God bless you. God bless you.
Welcome back to the Paul George Show, a co-production of Christ Our King Radio and Breadbox Media. Here's your host, Paul George. Rocking out here on the Paul George Show. Great to be back with you in studio with Casey Trohan. What a fascinating interview with Bishop Sam Jacobs, huh, Casey? Very informative. Yeah, and he's got a good radio voice. I, I, I complimented him that over the phone during the break. I said, Bishop... You have a great radio voice. Would you want to do a radio show? <laughs> he politely it, declined. Yeah, so anyway, great interview. I want to thank Bishop Sam Jacobs for coming on, uh, and thanks for listening in today to the Paul George Show. Good to be with you today. Uh, it's been a fascinating show. So, Casey, uh, we're going to play a little game. It's called What We Learned. Is, is that a game? We're going to do a little <laughs> thing called What We Learned. What We Learned, okay. Okay, everything's you, a game to me. Yeah, no, you, you're gonna have to go first. I'm gonna and, have to gather my thoughts. No, everything's here. a comp. Everything's a competition to me. So what you learned is gonna have to be better than what I learned. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. Okay. So anyway, here's what I learned: people with two first names are really good. At what? At anything. <laughs> Bishop, <laughs> Sam Jacobs, Paul George, you get it. So people with two first names are just generally better than the rest of the population. I'm not saying they're better. I never said that they were better. You put words into my mouth. I said they're really good. <laughs> I never said they were better. You just said everything had to be a competition. Okay, it's okay, not I, a competition. Okay, I, what we learned. So, so anyway, I learned, I learned that I learned that you were confirmed in 1989. <laughs> yes. That enough said. That's hilarious. That is hysterical. I was in eighth grade, and I was I was a horrible kid. You were in eighth grade the year that Taylor Swift was born. Yeah, that that would be the case, I guess. Is that the year she was born? Yeah. I don't I don't keep I'm not a Swift follower. Oh, I'm I'm all about the Taylor Swift. I mean, my kids are in the Swift, so I know Swift, but like, you know, it would be weird for me, older guy following <laughs> Taylor Swift. Anyway, yeah, 89. And I uh true story, so I got kicked out of confirmation class. Really? Yeah. And I had to write a letter to the new bishop, who I didn't know at the time. And the way that I met Bishop Sam Jacobs was I had to go meet with him one-on-one as a 14-year-old kid, submit my letter, and ask him if he would uh, confirm me, let me back in class. Oh, wow. <laughs> How crazy is that? Right? And then today, like years and years later, we're friends yeah. and uh, a full-time well, he, ministry. He shook you up. He scared you straight. Yeah, he scared me straight. All right, so yeah. what I learned, here, here's what I learned, is that... Uh, I actually learned, and I think I knew this, but I was reminded of this, is that there's two ordinations for you to get ordained as a priest, and then when you become a bishop, you get ordained again. So there's sort of a second ordination that happens there. And there's no other ordination besides that. Like, you don't get reordained to be a cardinal. Right. You don't get reordained to even be the pope, I don't think. No, you do not. Yeah, you're just the bishop of bishops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the pope, technically, realistically, is the bishop of Rome. Mm -hmm. Uh, He just holds the seat of pope. But yeah, there's no ordination there. So I th- the episcopate is the highest of ordinations. It's it's the one that would be directly the the apostles, mm-hmm. you know. So I was re reminded of that. I, I learned something else, but actually it didn't have too much to do with the show. I learned that you own a pair of cowboy boots. <laughs> you did learn that today. <laughs> what are those? What are those? Dude, these are amazing, man. And as fall setting in, Casey, your only thing that you're gonna see me in. In fall, it's cowboy boots. Don't they look great? They they look genuine. Think, let, okay, here's the deal. Let me let me dress you. Let me get you some nice jeans and some boots, man. I'm gonna look just like you, let, just like Paul George, you, twenty years younger. A baby. dad. Like you start. You need to look like a dad, bro. You got like 500 kids. 
<laughs> lay no, no, it around. Proportionally. I don't have that many children. I just proportionally have a lot of children for how young I am. Okay, here's what I learned. Okay. Uh, the church, the Holy Sepulchre, and the Holy Land is actually built over not only the place that Jesus died, but was buried, and I only thought it was over where Jesus died. I learned that today. That was that was actually pretty interesting about the interview. Did you know that? I did not. Okay, so I, you know, I, I know about the church. I've, I've always wanted to go there. And I actually had a friend who's non-Catholic, you know, super great uh, Christian guy, Protestant, who went to that church, and he was like, it's so crazy they have a candle lit in that church 24 hours a day. And I'm like, (laughs) that's where the tabernacle is. And so I knew it was built where Jesus died, but I I did not know, and I learned today, that it was also built over the place where Jesus was buried. Yeah, it's kind of an extension of it. That that was interesting. Here's something I learned. Okay. Um, And and I, I was taking notes during the interview, and this is one thing that stuck out to me, actually. Um, so when they, they reached out to him, the people reached out to him, they couldn't reach him. Uh, his bishop called him, which I didn't know you could do that either. That, that was interesting, but he initially asked for some time to pray Hmm. from, I I knew a lot of this process before actually somebody had explained it to me, but I didn't realize that you could do that. Right. I thought you had to give an answer over the phone right then and there if you accepted or rejected it, right. and then you moved on from that point. But he asked for some time to pray. In fact, he was adamant about some some time to pray. Right. So I, th- I thought that was really interesting. I think he was in shock. And from what I know about his story is that when he got the call of the bishop, he was in his 40s. Um, you know, so That's he pretty young. Yeah, he was young yeah. uh, to be bishop. And so I think he was fairly shocked. Here's the other thing that happened that was kind of specific to his story is that because he was on vacation at the time and missed the call from the big guy, uh, when his bishop called him and reached him, it was more of a personal conversation. Like, hey, man, they're trying to reach you, and you just got to sign bishop. And because he knew him so well, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, I got to think about this for a moment. But I do think you're right. I think technically when you get a call from the annuncio, you have to, for the most part, say yes or no right then. Hmm. Which is crazy. Which is scary, yeah. But it's almost like, think about this. Like, uh, if you, when you uh, asked your wife to marry you, you remember the day that you got engaged? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, m- my thing is that if you're going to make a decision like that, you need to know in your heart, yes or no, by that time, whether mm-hmm. you're going to say yes or no. And so, when you bent down on knee, and, you know, what I did the same is uh, you expect an answer right then. Like if your if your fiance or your girlfriend at the time was like, you know what, Casey, let me think about that for a while. <laughs> let me take two weeks to pray about it. You almost have should have known the answer already because you're already in prayer and you're kind of whatever. Now, granted, this is not I'm not saying the bishop thing, but I'm saying is you expect an answer right now. And it's almost the same when you get a call about this, is like your heart should be at a place where it's receptive to like, yeah, I I'm being asked to be married. And the answer is yes. Interesting. Yeah. I never made that connection. You know, like if there's a pause, if there if there's a pause, any hesitation whatsoever, any hesitation, you can pick that up. You, like you get down on your knee and you ask your girlfriend to marry, you, and there's a pause there. Like, call it off. <laughs> like, just say, okay, like we got work to do because there's hesitation. Now, my thing is this: is there if there's hesitation now, there's going to be more hesitation later. That hesitation is going to grow. Uh, so I think for him and his story is because he knew his bishop personally. He was like, whoa, let me let me take some time. I'm on vacation. I need to think about this. Um, but I think you're right. Technically, uh, you have to give a yes or a no, I'm in or I'm not on this. So anyway, great interview with Bishop Sam Jacobs. I want to thank uh, Bishop 
uh, for visiting with us today. And I, I think with his radio voice, Casey, I think we should have him back on. For sure. What, what I would be interested in talking to him is about just kind of that that willingness to step into that role because he said he was a ten. He yeah. didn't, he didn't like he didn't really want to be a bishop. Right. He just he knew that he had to be obedient to the the calling that God had on his life. Well, and what one of the things that I learned, uh, the last thing that I learned uh, that I'll say is this: is that because it's all confidential, which I appreciate, uh, there's there should be for the most part no ego involved. The fact that he didn't want to be bishop is exactly why he should be bishop. Exactly. And that's the type of people that we need serving the Lord and being our leaders are not people who are politicking to to have authority and power, but people who are just serving the church. And when they get the call, they're like shocked. They're like, who, me? Like, I don't want to do that. I would never want to be bishop and have that authority and uh, but those are the people that we actually need. And I think that that's how his name got on a list. I think the priest in his diocese and the bishop put his name on a list because they saw a humility, they saw a, a life of prayer, a life of service, and they're like, that's the type of leaders that we need. And I think the church is at a point today, even more uh, still uh, today, uh, why people are so attracted to Bergoglio, who became Saint, uh, Pope Francis, is because no one ever thought. I remember the day he got elected, mm-hmm. we were having a viewing party, and when his name got announced, there were some people in the crowd that were actually shocked. Like, why him? Who him? Who is he? Right? And that's exactly, I think, what the church needs is someone who's who's just he's humble, um, loving, joyful, and you would not expect to want to have the power or the authority to be pope. I mean, just even think about the incarnation. You know, everybody expected this this great leader of of the Jews, and then he came as a baby. Right, the humility of it all. You know, born of a virgin, uh, in, in a manger, uh, in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, evacuated from his homeland. I mean, you all of it is wrapped in humility, and in service. This is exactly what the priesthood is supposed to model: is this act of humility and service to people. Because mm-hmm. that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus modeled to the world and to his own apostles by what? Getting a bowl of water and washing their feet. The Last Supper, he says, uh, do this. Like, this is what I do. You do this out into the world. And sends them out into the world to, to serve the world. And, that, and that's what our leaders. And ultimately, it's not just for our bishops and our priests. That trickles down, Casey, to you and I. Uh, as husbands. Reaganomic spirituality. As husbands, Right. Uh, as as lay people, all of us are called to serve those around us, to love the way Jesus loved, to 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 be the way Jesus is, the way He acted, and this is the beauty of the Christian life: is that uh, it's not about us; it's about Christ, and that and that's the that that's the wonderful gift uh, that grace that lives in us, and so. I want to thank you for listening in today to the Paul George Show. Thanks again to Bishop Sam Jacobs. Casey, thanks for all you're doing with the show. Thanks for listening in to the Paul George Show. You can listen in at www.paulgeorge.la. You can also find me on Twitter at PaulGeorgeII. God bless.